You're listening to the Sunday morning service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Pamela Butler. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Praise the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day is a, a day that was designated, you know, quite a few years back just to honor motherhood. And um, for all the sacrifices you mamas have made, we know you've made quite a few of them. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, a lot of us, we have moms that have already gone on to heaven. So maybe your mom is, is already in heaven dancing before Jesus. <laughs> um, some maybe have moms in convalescent homes or moms in the hospital. Or, you know, maybe um, you've always wanted to be a mom and it just hasn't happened for whatever reason. Or maybe you've had a child and you've lost a baby. You're still a mommy. Amen. You know, there's all, all kinds of different mom, mom modes that we have in this room. But I just want to say happy Mother's Day to motherhood. You know, I was looking it up and, you know, um, one of the most popular tattoos is in honor of mom. mom. And I could have you raise your hand if you wanted to be honest. How many have, a, how many have that tattoo for mom out there? But it is, um, it is one of the most... Oh, I saw one hand. <laughs> I know there's more of y'all, but you don't have to raise it, but... Um, but anyway, so happy Mother's Day to thank God for our moms, you know, our moms that uh, many of us, you know, and some of you maybe didn't have such a good mom. Maybe she just maybe she was a drug addict or an alcoholic and maybe you just have a, a bad relationship with her. But, you know, today we're still going to honor what God has established in motherhood. And we're going to I'm going to share a message this morning. That's a it's not really a Mother's Day message, although it's going to be talking about a mother and so, uh, men, keep your ears peeled open. This is for you as well. Amen? Father, we just want to thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you are to us this morning, God. You are amazing. You are our Heavenly Father. And we look to you this morning, God, that, Lord, that as we prepare, um, as, I, as I just lay out the plates right now, I thank you that, Lord, you know what each one's going through, what each one is facing decisions and choices. And, and God, I thank you that you're able to just put on their plate exactly what they need to hear this morning. We thank you for your word that is full of life, your word that is light unto our feet, a lamp to our path. God, I thank you for revelation and light coming to us this morning. I thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding, God, and that we understand the days ahead of us, God, and, and our part in it, Father. And we just thank you for all that you're going to say. God, I pray that you prepare our hearts right now. God, whatever pretenses, whatever things we have right now that might distract us. God, we just lay it down. We ask that we would just lift our eyes to you this morning. And that we would hear what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to us this morning, God. We thank you for it, Father, now in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1, if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 1. The, the title of my message this morning is, What Are You Carrying? And, um, you know, when we think about a woman who's expecting a child, we can look at her and say she is with child. And... Um, each one of you are expecting something this morning. You know, there's something that you've got expecting in your spirit. And I'm asking you this morning, what are you expecting? What are you carrying within your heart this morning? What is it that you're expecting from God? And so we're going to look at this, uh, this story. And I, I really pray that the Lord speaks to us. Amen. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. 
Now, there was a man, man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. And he was sent to, or he was the son of Jehoram, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah, and I'm going to call her Penny for short, Hannah and Penny, because I don't know how to say Penina. <laughs> Penny had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. And the priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days that Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meal to Penny and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penny would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And year after year, it was the same. Say that part with me. Year after year, it was the same. One more time. Year after year, it was the same. Now Penny would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. And each time, Hannah would be be reduced to tears and would not even eat. And then Elkanah, her husband, says, why are you crying, Hannah? And why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? For you have me. (laughs) (laughs) Says a man. (laughs) And isn't that better than having ten sons? And all the men said, Amen. (laughs) And we know he believes that, so... And he is. He, he is. He's awesome. He's wonderful. My husband's amazing. But isn't that just like a man? <laughs> okay, but we are, that is not where our message is at today. We will, we will save that for a women's retreat when we can really get into the meat and the bones. I'm just kidding. All right, let's continue. Verse 9. Now, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and she went to pray. And Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. And Hannah was in deep anguish and she was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you and he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Now let me just stop and let's just kind of preface preface this woman right here what's happening. Year after year, it was the same thing. Year after year, it was the same thing. Every month, Hannah was reminded, I'm not a mother again this month. I'm not a mother again this month. And it hurt even more at this yearly sacrificial time because as they were going to present sacrifices to the Lord, there was, she was alone. She didn't have any children. And so you can imagine, which is back in, this, back in the culture of this time period, you know, the stigma was very strong for a woman who wouldn't have a child. She had a big stigma, you know, because it was very important in that culture to have, to bear sons and have children. So her, she has an enemy, Penny, right? And Penny is taunting her because Hannah is not having a child. And so we find that as, as she year after year is going through this, you can imagine that Hannah must have, first of all, felt shameful. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why can't I 
have a child. And the number one reason for a lot of the times that we all face disappointment, whatever it may be, we can always come back because the enemy loves to bring it back to home. What is wrong with me? Why isn't this happening? Or why did this happen? And, and, and not only did she feel shame, but she felt discouragement. She felt sorrow. She felt sadness. I mean, she wasn't even able to eat. She felt alone. You know, no one understood what she was going through. She was unhappy. She was in deep anguish. She was crying bitterly. She was extremely discouraged. And the Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, out of the heart, the Bible says that that the heart, you know, all the issues of life flow from our heart and that we're to guard our heart above all things because it affects all things. Amen. You know, when, when something's happening in, in, in with your children or with your marriage or whatever in life, you know, when it hits heart, when it hits home, I mean, it's hard to focus on anything else because out of the heart, everything is affected. And so Hope deferred, when hope has been held back, when disappointment after disappointment comes one after another, and what we thought was going to happen didn't happen, what we hoped would take place didn't take place, we come to repeated failure again and again, and we, we wonder, God, why? What is wrong with me? Why aren't you doing it for me? Especially when we see someone else getting the blessing that I want, that I desire in my life. God, why not me? Now, the thing about Hannah is um, in this time, let, let's just talk about what the spiritual atmosphere is, is like at this time. Um, it's the time when the judges ruled the nation of Israel. And, um, and so during this time, the, there's the high priest, his name is Eli. He has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And when we look over in uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 12 says this about the two sons of Eli, that the two sons of Eli were scoundrels and they had no respect for God. Now, this is the spiritual leadership at the time when Hannah is praying. It also goes on to even talk about Eli, that in verse 22, that Eli was very old. And he knew that his sons were doing, uh, the people of Israel, were, they were doing wrong. But he never stopped them. He preferred and honored his sons more than he honored God. So even Eli, the high priest, was dishonoring God by honoring his sons more than honoring God. And they were doing, you know, uh, eating like the meat, for instance, that the, the, there was rituals that had to be done that the, the meat that they would get was supposed to be fully cooked. There wasn't supposed to be any fat. The fat was supposed to be offered to the Lord. But if you read this further, you will find that they were pulling the meat out of the pot with the fat still on it. And it's kind of still rare. And this was being disrespectful to the, to the, the sacrifices of God. And it says, it, it even points out the fact that Eli was fat, and I believe he was fat because he was, it's showing us the picture that he was disrespectful to the sacrifices of God. And it says also that he was blind. 
He had no spiritual perception, if you want to say it in, even in that way. So, so I want you to see the picture that, that the, the high priest of God and his sons, that they're, they're the ones that are representing the people before God. They were fat. They were dishonoring God. And I'm not talking about just... I'm not talking about a physical size. I'm talking about what they're doing is dishonoring God by dishonoring the sacrifices. And, and, and he's blind. And so there, as God is looking upon the nation of Israel, I mean, these sacrifices are not coming up as a sweet aroma. It's a stench before the nostrils of God because of their dishonor. And so God is looking upon the nation of Israel and he's thinking, I need a man. I need a voice that will speak for me. I need someone that will hear my heart and that will speak for me. And it says in chapter 3, verse 1, that, uh, that in those days, in the days of Eli, that the messages of the Lord were very rare and the visions of God were quite uncommon. So God wasn't speaking God's not going to speak through an unholy people, but God has something to say because he loves the children of Israel. God has a need. Now let's look back at Hannah. Here is Hannah and it says that she's praying, God, I need a son. God, I want a son. And God's saying, hmm, and I need a prophet. I need a voice. And as Hannah is making herself available to God, God, if you will give me a son, I will give him to you. God is saying, I'm going to give you a son and he's going to be my voice. He's going to be the one that speaks my words and he's going to be my judge that judges righteously. And God used Samuel powerfully because as we go on to read, we find out that she does, she does get pregnant and she has the, the, the boy Samuel. And uh, God, you know, God uses Samuel not only to speak into the house of Eli, but God uses Samuel to anoint uh, the next king, which is Saul, the, the, the reigning of the kings. And then he goes and he anoints David. God used this woman's need. And this is what I want you to hear is that Hannah's prayer aligned with the very need of God. The very thing that you may feel is a disappointment and a frustration, if you would give that to God, God has something that he will align with it that not only will your need be fulfilled, but God will bring forth something exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could ever ask or even think. You think you just want a son, but God's going to give you a prophet. God's going to give you a judge. God's going to bring someone that will not only bless your home, but he will bless the nation. And that's what he did through Hannah's prayer. Now, Hannah, um, she aligned herself with the desire of God and, and she did this. She had very specific ways she did this. And, and this is what I want, I want to show you in chapter one. Let's go back again in verse nine. It says that once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and she went to pray. Hannah went up to pray. Now this is incredible because we find it said, remember, year after year, it was the same thing. Disappointment again. Disappointment again. Year after year. But we don't find Hannah mulling in self-pity. Come on. We find her getting herself up, going to the house of God, and making a prayer to God and saying, God, Hear my prayer. 
And this is the thing is that you and I both, we have to get past the pain, past the anguish, past the discouragement, past the failure. And we have to make a choice just like Hannah did. God, I choose to hope in you. Because that's what she was doing. She was saying, God, I know that I haven't had a child, but I put my hope in you. That I still believe that you're the one that can hear my prayer. That you're still the one that can give me the heart desire that I have. In, in Lamentations, let me read this to you. I love this with the prophet Jeremiah. He's, you know, he's facing such hopelessness too. And he says this in, ch- in chapter 3 verse 19. That the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. And I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Now, a lot of us may stop in that storyline right there. I'm never going to forget. I refuse to forget the hell I've gone through. I refuse to forget. And I'm going to continue to grieve over my loss. Now, that could be what you're carrying this morning. And we see here that that Jeremiah doesn't stop at that. He goes on and he says this, yet, everybody say yet, 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 I still dare to hope. I still dare to hope. Yes, I remember the horribleness of my situation. I remember the grief that I'm bearing. I remember my loss. I know how much pain I've gone through. But I will still dare to hope when I remember this. Well, what does he remember? That the faithful love of the Lord never ends. And his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness and his mercies begin afresh each morning. Hallelujah. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance and therefore I will hope in him. Hallelujah. And this is the thing that I believe that Hannah shows you and I, that despite the loss, despite the failure, despite the the constant disappointment, she made a choice. God, I choose to hope in you. And that is, that is why she went into the house of God because that was her, that was a step of faith. She could have hid, but she came into the house of God and she begins to pray. It says that Eli was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle, verse 10. And Hannah was not just in anguish, but it says she was in deep anguish. And she was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, verse 11. And she made this vow, O Lord God of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for the in, his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Now, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli was watching her. And he was seeing her lips moving, but he was hearing no sound. And he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Go throw away your wine. In verse 15, oh no, sir, she replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. I am very discouraged, but look what it says. And I was pouring out of my heart to the Lord. 
Oh, this is the next beautiful picture that I see when I read the story of Hannah. That I, have you ever been in that place of such deep despair and, and, and such deep pain that there's almost no words? That's, that's why her mouth is just moving. There's almost no words to put to, to, you know, to eloquently describe what is going on inside. And it says she was pouring out from her heart to the Lord. Because remember, out of the heart, all the issues of life flow. It affects everything. And if I take that very source of pain, that very source of my frustration, that very place that is hurting, and I begin to pour out from my heart unto the Lord, I believe that this is, this is what Hannah is showing us. And I thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there have been so many times, like I said, I just didn't even know what to say. I mean, I knew what I wanted to say. But some of those things you just don't say to God. <laughs> I was mad. I was mad. I was frustrated. And thank God for the Holy Spirit that as I began to pray in the Spirit, Jesus, he has given us a baptism in the Holy Spirit. It says it's another language. It's the Spirit of God that it says he begins to pray through me. He begins to pray out of me. And it's the perfect will of God. And as, as, as I begin to pray in the Spirit, I be, I, I, I'm loving it because I can pour out of my heart my very frustrations to God. Yeah. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Hannah didn't have the Holy Spirit, but you and I, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you utilize the Holy Spirit praying through you. But here she is pouring out of her heart, pouring out from that place of frustration because she knows that only God can change the circumstances. Only God can make the thing turn around. And and I love that. Now let's go on and read some more here. It says, um, okay, verse 16, for don't think that I'm a wicked woman for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow Eli says, in that case, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the request that you have asked of him. And she says, oh, thank you, sir. And then she went back and she began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. This tells me a lot. Because I know that if I'm sad or if I'm going through something very emotionally trying, I don't want to eat. I lose my appetite. And we know that that's how it was with her because she didn't want to eat before because she was reduced to tears, it tells us. But the first thing that happens to Hannah is she wants to to go eat. And it says she was no more sad. Now, how did this turn around? I believe that right here is when Hannah becomes pregnant with the promise of God. And that was enough. That was enough. She had no evidence that she was pregnant in the natural But she knew something in the spirit because she heard the promise of God. She took it within and that was enough for her that her prayer had been heard. God had heard her prayer and Eli says, may God grant you the request. That is enough. Some of you, you need to just believe the word of the Lord. That if God says it, he means it. And you need to hold on to that. You need to eat again. You need to no longer be sad. Because when you're pregnant with the promise of God, you're making the choice and the decision that I know that I know God has heard me. And I'm going to stand in faith and believe that what I've asked for, he's going to give to me. And this is the most important part because before she can become pregnant in the natural, she had to become pregnant in the spiritual. 
She had to be pregnant in her heart. And some of you, you've been asking God for things in the natural, but nothing's going on in your heart. You haven't been pouring out your heart to God. You have to be desperate with him. You have to show him, God, it's only you that can do this. It's a place of desperation. God, I know that my hope is not in man. I know that my hope is not in circumstances, but my hope is in you. And you become pregnant with the promise of God. And I'm telling you, you want a promise from God? You've got a word, you've got a Bible full of them. Full of promises that God has for you and I. So important that we see how she did that. Now, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. And I, I want you to look in deeper into your heart this morning. And I want you to see what is it that you're carrying within your heart this morning that might be preventing the promise of God coming into fulfillment. And we can see this through the teaching of, uh, of the sower sowing the seed. And so let, let's read it together first of all in Mark chapter 4. Jesus is telling a parable and he says, let's begin reading in verse 3. Now listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed and he scattered it across his field and some of the seed fell on the footpath and the birds came and they ate it up. Now other seed fell on shallow soil with underlining rock and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Now other seed fell among thorns and it grew up and it choked out the tender plants So they produced no grain and still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted and grew and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even a hundred times as much has been planted. And then he said, anyone with ears should hear and listen and understand. This is a spiritual principle. Jesus is saying. Now let's look at his, his, his uh, interpretation of what he just said, verse 13. Now Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? For the farmer plants the seed by taking God's word to others. And that seed that fell upon the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Now, how many of you have sat under this man's ministry and he has preached a word and you're like, oh man, that's so good. That's for me. And, it, and that's the, he's sowing the seed and the seed has come out and you no sooner get to your car and it says that Satan comes at once and he takes it away. The number one adversary that you and I have to face is Satan himself who does not want the word of God, the promise of God to be fruitful in your life. He's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not somebody else in your life. It's not the cause of your boss. It's not the cause of your wife. It's not the cause of your husband. It's not the cause of your children. It's because Satan doesn't want you to be fruitful. So he's the number one waiting right there to take the word from you so that it doesn't bear fruit. But Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth, and he's given it to you and I. So if you are a born again child of God, and you have claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have power and authority over Satan that when the word of God comes forth, you say no in the name of Jesus. You cannot steal my promise. That promise is mine. And I receive it. 
The next one, it says that the, um, let's see, verse, verse 16. Now the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message immediately and they receive it with joy. Again, Pastor Mark is preaching a message and you're like, oh man, that was so good. That's the promise I needed. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. That's powerful. And we're like going, Pastor Mark, that was for me. Woo, woo, woo. And you know, sooner that you get back in your car or you get home or maybe throughout the week, maybe it's a little longer, maybe it's through the week. Then it says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long for as they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for, for believing in God's word. What that was talking about is, is the, the ground is shallow. And I believe that talks again about your heart, that the tenderness of my heart, there's other things in the way. There's rocky ground because it says here that the ground is rocky. There's something in the way that's preventing the promise of God from bearing fruit. Man, it was so good. I knew that promise was for me, but there's something inside of me that keeps stopping what God wants to bring forth in my life, and I don't understand it, and I'm frustrated because it's withering, and it keeps dying. I go to church the next Sunday. Oh, man, that promise was was for me. And you go along with life. Pretty soon, the hardness of your heart Again, it's preventing the promise of God. Well, so what, what can be this hardness in your heart? Bitterness? Maybe I'm bitter because all this time, what I've asked for God, you know, again and again and again, it keeps not happening. It's, you know, the things that I hoped and dreamed for, it just isn't happening. Maybe whatever it is that's causing bitterness in your heart can prevent the promise of God from going deep down into you because it blocks it unforgiveness. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you know, unforgiveness, you know, the Bible, Jesus talks about that a person who doesn't forgive is, is, is the person who's, who's locked away and tormented. You're the one who's put in prison and you're the one who's going through torment, not the person that you're holding unforgiveness towards. You know, God doesn't allow, I know with me, you know, before I met my precious husband, I had some, I had some unforgiveness. I had some, bitter, I had some hard places in my heart, and I deserved to have them. That's what I felt. I earned these hard places. I didn't ask for it, but by George, I got them, and I'm, they're there. But you know, God would have never blessed me with what I have today if he had not first made me do the hard work. Come on. I had to do some hard work. I had to do some breaking of the ground. I had to allow the Holy Spirit to break me. And I had to do some forgiving, some real forgiving. I had to do some really letting go. I had to allow God to say, God, I don't have it within me to forgive this person. But I thank you that you're going to give me the grace to forgive. Because I don't want to be in prison anymore. I don't want to be the one that's in bondage anymore. I don't want to be the one that's in torment anymore because they're over here living so happy. I want to be happy. And that only comes from learning to walk in forgiveness. Other hard places in our heart is unfulfilled promises. The things that we we thought God was going to do that didn't happen. It's right there. It's lodged in your heart. And you may not even know it's there until, you you know, have you ever gone through life and you think everything's fine and then somebody says something or you see something or you smell something and bam, a memory pops up and it causes a negative emotion. Well, that's something inside that's still alive and well that you need to allow God to deal with, to bring it out because God has so much for you. 
God, you know, he, the, the wonderful thing about God is he redeems all things is God can take and make all things new. God is not limited to your failures. God is not limited to your your losses. He's the creator of all things and he can do a new thing. I mean, you may think that your world was burned down to ashes, but come on, you serve a creator of the heavens and the earth who can breathe but life upon you and make a whole new life for you again. Hallelujah. goes on and let's look at the next one the next one is is one i think a lot of us struggle with verse 18 that the seed fell among the thorns and the thorns represent those who hear god's word but all too quickly the message is crowded out have you ever felt like the promise of god just oh i I was telling my husband i i i'm a martha i've become martha you know mary and martha Mary sat at his feet. I tell you, I've become a Martha. I've become so busy with serving Jesus, and, and I'm very detailed. I, I'm, a very de- I'm in that kitchen, man. I've I'm, I'm got the ingredients going, and I'm going to make this the best for Jesus, and man, this is going to be that. And I find myself you know, choking out the promise of God sometimes because I'm so busy. And it says here that, that the thorns represent those things that the message is crowded out. But here's the thing. It's crowded out by the worries of this life. How many have had some worries? I mean, we've lived in a whole year. It was supposed to be, what, two weeks? Then it was supposed to be, I don't know, it's just it keeps constantly changing. You know, it's, then it was supposed to be done by this year. We're supposed to have life in June. I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> They're going to wave the magic wand and everything's going to be normal. But there's been some worries. And, and, you know, there's been some fears. I mean, we live in a time that it's so easy for the promise of God to become crowded out with the worries of this life and the fears of this life that will choke the very promise of God that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to make you a blessing. Everything that God has promised me, if I allow worry and I allow fear to come in, it's going to strangle and choke the promise of God. And I don't have time for that. I don't know about you. I don't have time for worry and fear to choke the promise of God because I know there are things, there are more things that God wants to give me. There are more blessings, more promises that God wants to give in my life. And I want my heart to be ready. I want my heart to be soft. I want my heart to be open to the things of the God that when I hear the word of God being sown, that I'm not going to let it be choked out by worry. I'm not going to let it be choked out by fear, but I'm going to be ready to receive it in faith like Hannah did who listened to the word of God and then she ate I'm not she wasn't afraid anymore she wasn't worried anymore she wasn't sad anymore because she hoped in God and that's really 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 what it comes down to is do I trust him do I trust him you know I I think about um, Adam and Eve it's one of my favorite chapters, believe it or not, Genesis chapter 3. Everything goes back to Genesis chapter 3. And here's Adam and Eve in the garden, and they have anything that they want. I mean, they, they have the perfect marriage, right? Come on. Adam wasn't working. I mean, maybe he's doing some gardening. <laughs> Sorry, gardening's hard work. I've pulled weeds. I know you do yard work. I'm not dissing on gardening. That's actually very hard. He hates it. 
I mean, there's no other women in there, right? There's no other woman to try to wink at Adam. You know, there was, so there couldn't be no jealousy thing going on. There was, there was no striving. It was, it was like, you know, you think, man, it's, it's paradise, right? Isn't that what it's called? It's called paradise. But here comes Satan, and he's so sneaky. He comes, and he begins to talk to, to Eve. And let, let, let me just go back there really quickly. I, just, I feel led to say this. Eve, in chapter three, in Genesis chapter three, verse one, says the serpent was the shrewdest, and that's Satan. He's the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit in the trees of the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it nor touch it because if you do, you will die. And the serpent replied, you won't die. Your eyes will be open. God knows that your eyes will be open. And as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took from the fruit and she ate it and she gave some to her husband who was also with her. He ate it too. And that moment their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame and nakedness and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And it says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. See, right here, Satan does the same thing. Satan does not new in his tricks. The same thing that, that he did to Eve, he does to you and I, is when we think, can I trust him? Does he really have my back? Does God really have my back? Is he really going to do what he promised me? Because here, this is what Satan is, is feeding her, is that God's holding out on you. He's holding out on you. If you eat of this, then you'll be like God, and you're going to know good and evil, and you won't need to depend on him. And that's the, that's the same trick that you and I, that Satan wants, but we have got to put our trust in God, because God... I mean, come on, God has proved himself to be faithful. How many, is there a witness in the house? Has God proved to be faithful? There's about 10 of you. Come on, has God proven to be faithful? About 20, we're we're getting better, we're getting better. God is faithful. It doesn't always happen the way I think it should. As a matter of fact, I thought God missed a lot of plenty of opportunities to do it my way which we know would have been the better way. <laughs> no, we talked about last night in our prayer time that, you know, I was thinking about that, about there were so many times that I made prayers. I'm so glad that those prayers didn't come to pass because I just didn't know what I was praying. I didn't know what I was asking for. And that's the times, again, I go back to God, I trust you. I don't understand. I think, I think that maybe you might be blowing it, but I know according to your word that you're not a man that you should lie. And I also know that your word shows me that you're, you're, faith, you're, you're trustworthy. You're faithful. I can put everything in you. You know, I, I think back, you know, over my life. And, you know, my life did not happen the way I thought it was going to happen. Anybody else? Am I the only one? I, I thought my life was going to be a whole lot different. And, you know, I, I had a lot of loss. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've had a lot of loss. I've carried a lot of burdens. And, and I remember that there was a time in my life when I had lost everything. And I'm like, God, all I have is a promise that you've given me, that you said you would never leave me or forsake me. 
God, I thank you. Your word says you will never leave me or forsake me. And that was what I stood on. That was all I had. God, I thank you that your word says that you are my shepherd. Oh, I thank you. It says that you go before me and you lead me. And all I had was that promise. But I'm telling you that as I walked from promise to promise to promise to promise, I began to see that I'm in a whole new place, that I am a place of blessing. I am in a place of prosperity. I am a place where I see and I look back over my life and I think, oh my Lord, look how your hand was upon me. Look how you led me through the dark times. Look how you led me through the difficult times. Look how you navigated me through those rocky times, God. You are always faithful to me. And I encourage you this morning that whatever it is that you faced disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, don't get angry and harden in your heart and don't give up. If anything we can learn from this mother of Hannah this morning is perseverance with God, is to not run from him, but to run to him and to begin to pour from that place of desperation, to pour from that place of agony to the one who can change everything. Everything around. Amen. And I love this because not only is God going to fulfill my desires, but remember, she aligned herself with the will of God. And God not only brought her a son, but God brought a prophet. What is it that you're asking of God this morning? You know, some of you, maybe you're asking for a spouse. Don't just ask for any old man or any old woman. That, we'll let that soak and sink. <laughs> Ask God to bring you that man or that woman that's going to be the one that God can use to bring into your life, that's going to honor him, that together you become a powerful duo for Jesus, that, you know, it, it, that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. Maybe you're thinking Prince Charming looks like this, but God's saying, oh no, you should see what I want to give you. I mean, this is where we trust him, right? This is where we know that God, you're able to do beyond what I can think or even imagine. What kind of a job? Are you looking for a job? Don't just ask for any old job. God, where can you put me? That I will not only just have a job, but I'll be like Joseph. Remember in the Bible, wherever Joseph went, he was blessed. He was just favored by God. God, bring me into that job that the favor of God will come upon me and upon this whole company. And that God, through it, all you will be honored and glorified. That just like Samuel saved a nation, God, maybe I can save a company. Maybe I can save, a, I can save people jobs because God's able to just align your need with his lead and do something supernatural. Amen. Amen. Whatever it is that you need from him. I pray that today that, you know, that when you leave and, and as you go in this week, that you will be like Hannah, that you will just pour out of your heart to him and that you will just allow him to align with your dreams and your desires. Amen. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose hope. Come on. Hope again. Amen. Oh, father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your gracious love and your faithfulness to us, O oh God. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I thank you, God, that your children are never forsaken. We are never left alone to figure things out on our own. We are never left without protection. We are never left without wisdom. 
And Father, I just lift up everyone in this room. God, only you know their hearts. You know the the thoughts that they're even thinking, the, the things, the emotions that this has stirred, the challenges, God, I pray that you want them to face again. God, that they will dream again, that they will hope again, that they will not toss in the towel. God, we are not like the world without hope because we serve the creator of all things. And Father, whatever it is that they're facing this morning, I speak life. I speak life in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just right now, Lord, I come against the adversary that's trying to steal, to kill, and destroy the promise that you've given them. Lord, we as a corporate body right now, come on, everybody, we as a corporate body, we take a stand against the powers of darkness that's trying to steal the seed and the promises of God in this room. And we take authority over you, you striving spirit. We bind you, you lying spirit. We bind you in the name of Jesus, you dividing spirit. We bind you in Jesus' name and we command you to leave in Jesus' name. You leave God's people alone for you are trespassing in Jesus' name. Father, I speak to those hearts today, God. I know what it's like to have hardness of heart, bitternesses and unforgivenesses and memories, God, that I just refuse to let go. But God, that's just not your way and that's not your will. I pray this morning, God, that you would help them to break that hardened area of their heart, that they would lay it at the feet of Jesus this morning. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to forgive those that we need to forgive That, God, we would choose to put bitterness aside. Because why? Because, God, we hope in you. We know that you can turn things all around for good, Father. And we trust you this morning. God, I pray for everyone this morning struggling with worries and fear. God, in their jobs, they struggle with worries and fear in their homes and their, God, whatever it is, God, that, that they're just afraid. They just, we, they're in turmoil about tomorrow, God. They just don't know. God, I thank you. You're the God of all peace and comfort this morning. And I speak peace into them this morning in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you have them. You do have our back. You are the one, as we sing this morning, that you go before us and behind us, beside us, all around us. You are with us. You are with us. God, I thank you. We thank you for that blessing and that promise, Father. Oh, I pray that this morning, God, that we would be like Hannah, that God, we would do some birthing, that God, that we would just believe the promise of God, we would receive it, and that would be enough. And God, from then on, we will choose to having done all to stand, we will stand in faith, in hope, in confidence, and trust in you. In the powerful name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Would you all stand? We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, 
Everybody just put your hands on your heart. I just want to pray for you in your seats where you're sitting or standing. Father, I pray right now that you touch them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, show them your faithfulness right now. Show them your love. That you are greater, 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 greater than the past. Greater than the failures. Greater than the struggles. Greater than the disappointments. Oh, and you want to give them so much more this morning, Father. In Jesus' name, reko shendo preson terebe son terebosa. Let every heart and place, Father, right now, just begin to be softened by the Holy Spirit. Oh, let them receive it by the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, right now. In Jesus' name, every bitterness, every discouragement. Every heart sickness right now, everything that the heart is struggling with, everything that the heart keeps tripping over, they just keep tripping over it, God. They keep stumbling over this area of their heart. They try to go get up and get past it, but they keep tripping over this place in their heart. In the name of Jesus, I speak life into that place of your heart. I speak hope and I speak resurrection power right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. Yes, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. And Father, right now, I just pray that this heart, Lord, that you would just make each heart tender to receive the promise of God, that they would just become pregnant in their spirit with a promise of God that the enemy can't touch, that unforgiveness can't touch, and fear and worry can't touch, but I speak fruition. I speak God multiplication. I speak exceedingly abundantly right now in Jesus' name, the promise of God that they receive in Jesus' name. Hope, hope restored, hope restored. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Harvest Bible Church in Stockton, California. If you live in the area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can check us out at harvestbibleonline.org for location and times. We hope to see you soon.